It's time for Breaking Bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! It's our goal. Hey! It's time for Breaking Bread with Papa. Hey! Don't you know? Hey! It's also a show. Hey! Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Breaking Bread with Tom Papa. I am Tom Papa. Thank you for joining us. We have a great show for you today. We have Noah Galutin on the program, a really talented chef. He has a new cookbook. It's called The Dope Panic Pantry Cookbook. Do you feel like The Don't Panic Pantry may uh, sound familiar? Yeah, it's because he has a very popular uh, YouTube show that he did with his wife, our good friend Eliza Schlesinger. And they started up this uh, series of teaching people how to cook and not freak out during the pandemic. And here we are today, Finally, we've been talking about it for a while. Finally, uh, his new cookbook is out, and it's great. And we're going to spend some time with him, and he's great. I've, I've um, had him on before. You're going to really enjoy. A big thank you to our good friends at Helix Sleep for sponsoring today's program. Is there anything worse than laying on a bad mattress? Yeah, I, I would say the only thing worse is uh, going to shop for a mattress. Helix makes it very easy. You can order a Helix mattress online and receive easy, no contact delivery. Helix is offering up to $350 off all mattress orders. That's right. Helix, $350 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash papa, P-A-P-A, and they'll hook you up. This is their best offer yet. Yeah, you'll know from listening to this podcast, this offer got sweeter. This is the best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. Very excited. Uh, we are coming into a, uh, a good time of year. We've got uh, a good um, Super Bowl playoff football vibes going. I've been eating uh, a lot of garbage. <laughs> I've been on back on the road. My tour is uh, rocking along. Uh, go to TomPapa.com. That's our other sponsor of this program. We had great shows this past week. We did the uh, we sold out the Kennedy Center. Brag, uh, Richmond. We were at uh, at not at the national and then we were in uh, charlottesville at the paramount thank you all for coming out it's really great to see i think we've got a nice bump from the new netflix special what a day and it's just been building momentum and we're heading off to wisconsin and we've got dayton and scranton and new york and the borgata and atlantic city a whole bunch of dates coming up so i've been uh, going hard on the road and uh, thank you for coming out. Also, let me mention, while we're plugging shamelessly uh, and weaving in other things, uh, my new book, my new book, We're All in This Together, So Make Some Room, is available for pre-order right now. It doesn't come out until June, June 6th, I believe is the date. Very proud of it. Very excited. One of the, the, one of the favorite parts of touring is signing books at the end of my show and getting to meet everybody and it's um i really one of the even the, the better things when people other than coming up and getting a book is when they come and they have a copy of one of the 
either uh, your dad stole my rake or um, uh, you're doing great and other reasons to stay alive. When they come and they have their copy they don't want to get signed and it's mauled and abused and you can tell they've been holding this and and reading this uh, forever and it's uh, I have, it's it's very meaningful and I, I really enjoy it. So I'm very excited that the next book is coming out. Again, uh, we're all in this together, so make some room, and it's available for pre-order right now. So as I'm out on tour and running around, um, I've been backloading bread for my family. I made four loaves of bread, because uh, I'm getting complaints when I'm on the road that there's no bread in the house. So <laughs> I decided, let's just make it, freeze it, and all you have to do is pull it out, spray a little water on it, put it in the oven 200 degrees for about 15 minutes, Mwah! a new loaf of bread without your father being in the house. I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I have not been there to eat it, so I have just been going on a buffalo wing uh, tour. Anywhere I go, I tell myself I'm not going to order wings, but there's a football playoff game on, also now going into... Uh, college basketball and uh there's wings everywhere it turns out everywhere you travel um they're waiting to give you buffalo wings so i'm just a man i i i i, I i'm i'm out there alone i don't have to impress anybody uh i don't need that much of a good night's sleep so i've been uh abusing buffalo wings <laughs> <laughs> for the entire month and now there's no stopping it so we've got a, a week or so before the super bowl uh i'm just gonna go all in and just keep going until my uh the thing is it's it's not even a craving that is satisfied i just keep eating them and i'm gonna continue and the baking you know we're kind of in a in a in between in between stage so bread and wings that's all I got for you, kids. Uh, the Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook. Noah is a very interesting guy. He's very talented, and he's really good at putting together these cookbooks with different cooks. Uh, he did uh, Bloodsoe's Barbecue. was the last time he was on the program. And uh, very passionate. Very passionate. Not snobby. The greatest thing about this book is it's about getting your pantry right, getting all the good stuff in there. So when you are ready to go and you're ready to, you come off the road and you want to make a good pasta rather than order something from Postmates, which we're all sick of at this point, and you just want to make something good, simple uh, dishes, this is the book. This is the book. Very talented. Oh, I'm just looking right now at some rigatoni with some cheese on it. It's like, yeah, come on, let's go. Uh, he compiled all of these recipes on his own from their show, also from his uh, life growing up. He's from his family recipes. It really looks beautiful. It's a practical, fun cookbook that you should have. It's called the Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook. Noah Galutin, he's very fun to talk to, as you are about to see right now. Well, this is very exciting because we talked about this, about you coming on here for quite some time. Yeah. And uh, I was very psyched to get the book, like, actually in my hands. It's very cool. Yeah. It, you must be, you must be, uh, must be very proud. I'm very proud. I'm very excited. 
the parts that I'm proud about, because it's hard to be proud before it's successful. You're like proud of the work yeah. you did. I'm, but like I'm proud that like my mom is very excited. She gets very <laughs> emotional about it. Uh-huh. She's like her food is featured in the book from my childhood a lot, and she right. has pictures of her in the book. Right. So like that gets her very. So like I'm proud of that part. Yeah. But that's like uh, to say you're proud, and then I like tanks. You're just like, well, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, but they, yeah, that's the whole puzzle. You know, that's like the life. That's the Zen life thing. <laughs> I it's I like you should just do is. it for you, and you should be proud. And then it's does now will the you now will. <laughs> Now will the culture allow me to stay proud? Yeah. Or are you going to beat it out of me? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, but the last time we talked was, was over the, Zoom. Was over Zoom, right. Well, I guess we talked in person, like, like casually aside at the comedy store. Yeah, like that, yeah. But, but with Kevin for his book. Which yeah, The Bledsoe Barbecue. Kevin's great because, like... Uh, I've heard all his stories a million times, so I just get to tee him up for things. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I'm like his hype man on interviews. Yeah. It was very cool. It was a really, it, it works. Like, He's it was great. a good balance. He's the best. Yeah. It was really like a good balance because he could just go. And he also, you could tell that you guys were friends because he loved shitting on you. Yes. Yeah. We always say, uh, if Kevin's not making fun of you, you know you're in trouble. Right, yeah. That means he's really upset. And you're yeah. probably just going to never hear from him again. He doesn't really love me anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that is all barbecue that's as fat yeah. and greasy as we can get. And it's delicious. Actually, I, I meant to tell you, I had a, um, I had a emergency on uh, Halloween. Okay. Since my kids were little sprites. We've always had a Halloween party, mm-hmm. and we always get uh, this big uh, fried chicken from um, Uncle Andre's. You know Andre's? Andre's Barbecue in uh, Studio City. Mm. Little hole in the wall, really legit good guy, just cranks stuff out, and we get the giant cornbread, and we get the chicken, and this giant mac and cheese, and uh, uh, collard greens. Every, I mean, this, we're... we're 18 years in a row like yeah. of doing this you got to build a fried chicken base coat before you eat a bunch of bigger bars. <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah before you break into your kit kats <laughs> this halloween fell on a sunday or a monday or whatever and he was closed messed everything up yeah first time in our history so i called into bledsoe's and just did it all through there and holy cow they they know what they're doing over there. So good, so like it was one of those like because you know all the other parents come and we're all used to it and it's all great and it's all really good and and everybody was just like wait and then we you know we threw a couple other things in and everyone was just like where is this? <laughs> it's so funny because Kevin and I talk about this all the time. Like we have cooked that food so much yeah. that we can't ever really eat it. Like right, we'll eat other people's barbecue, yeah. but like Kevin's barbecue, we can taste it. <laughs> To make sure it's correct. Yeah. And then we'll go eat something else somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, I've probably, for a person writing a cookbook that's mostly vegetarian, yeah. I've probably cooked more briskets than 99% of the human population. <laughs> that was going to be my first question. So we go through all of that fat and we go through all of that great greasy barbecue yeah. thing. And the book is The Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook, Mostly Vegetarian Comfort Food. That happens to be pretty good for you. <laughs> That's a, one of those really short, pithy titles that, that you wouldn't be able to forget. Yeah, but you know what? It really is so on point. It yeah. really is. Because my daughter is, I thought it was a phase. I thought she was going through a vegan phase. Mm-hmm. And it's sticking. 
Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's sticking. Yeah. And she'll like venture off. Like once in a while, she'll throw in, you know, pancakes or eggs or whatever. And then, mm-hmm. but she kind of mainly kind of hangs there. And, you know, it's a good way to eat. It is a good yes. way to eat. For a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons. And the thing that always hangs me up is growing up as a Italian cook. Yes. And there's nothing comforting when I think vegan food. Yeah. I don't like, and this is purely, this is like not knowing a different an, culture's an food. You olio in there. That's vegan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, you're sending your poor kid to school just covered in garlic and oil. Yeah. <laughs> there are worse fates. But there was a, I mean, when I, I was vegan for a little bit when I first met my wife and she's vegetarian and she always says I, 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 you, I wooed her under false yeah, pretenses. You, what, you vegan catfished her? <laughs> exactly. Once I had her, I started eating hot dogs at Yankee Stadium and it was over. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> this is kind of a funny aside story. Uh, when So we meet, I'm vegan, she's ecstatic. She met this like pretty cool guy who actually eats like her it's all good and we go home to meet my parents and they reveal that uh my nickname in school was tommy salami because (laughs) i ate two salami sandwiches every day from kindergarten until i graduated hey it's a good sandwich i support it it's a great sandwich just salami and and uh, mustard but was it when we were going back and forth with the and this was you know this is a while ago Mm -hmm. It wasn't as hip. There wasn't as many places. And I always, the problem I always had was, is it satisfying? Is because you don't grow up with it. Can it still be as satisfying and provide your comfort? Yeah. And also the places that serve it up were never cool. They would make it seem like you were doing penance yeah. for eating that way. Like it was just be like a well, bleak that's thing. Very Catholic, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was very like you were, it, I'm like, well, just make it a, look like a steakhouse. Yeah. Like have the yeah. cool lights and the glasses and put on some music. Yeah. Why do we have to suffer yeah, if exactly. we're not eating a ribeye? Yeah. And, you know, and I think, you know, one of the things I think about a lot is that, you know, I think people with their diets, I mean, people's diets are so personal. Yeah. Their, how their relationship with food is really personal. You, It's so tied into like how you feel, what you crave, your shame, your relationship with your mom, like all these things are all tied yeah. together with it. And I think what ends up happening so often is, is there's this like food narratives that get pushed down your throat on various angles. And I think people who kind of don't have this strong sense of what to do mm-hmm. and don't have this like driven passion toward one thing. They're trying to trying, which is what most people are, I think, are trying to grapple with all these different kind of senses of self with the environment and sustainability and, you know, morality and pleasure and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you end up kind of trying to balance it all together and you end up getting overwhelmed. So I think what happens a lot of people go, like, all right, that's it. I'm going to get healthy for the environment. I'm going to hire a trainer. I'm going to go full <laughs> vegan. I'm going to go no carbs. And you do it for about two weeks. Yeah. And then you go back to being the same person you were before. Mm-hmm. And so I like to kind of, I like this idea of a rational middle ground, which yeah. is, uh, I think, what a lot of people like and want, but uh, no one knows how to sell it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. Like how do you package it? TikTok idea, which I guess I'm trying to do with this book of, you know, that I can believe all these things about the environment. And I believe in being doing sort of less and better when it comes to meat. Mm-hmm. When I buy meat, I buy it from the farmer's market, from a local farm. It's prohibitively expensive, so I don't buy it that much. Yeah. Um, and also using meat as an accent versus the main dish. And also I kind of generally eat vegetarian at home, but I do like 
I'll buy a really good ribeye and cook right. it for dinner once every few weeks. Yeah. And it's amazing. But yeah. it doesn't have to be your entire life. And so I kind of try to have this idea in the book that like that trying matters and that better is enough. And that I think for a lot of people, they get so overwhelmed that like, I mean, you ever seen that thing where you like you you go to the gym, you go, I'm going like, to hire a trainer for a little while. <laughs> and the first thing I want you to do is change your entire diet. Right. And I'm like, I'm already working out and I wasn't before. <laughs> yeah, like right. improvement count for something. I know. And so that is I a culture kind of want to do with this book is like, yeah, I want to eat a lot of beans. I have a really like big point in this book that I've from research did about the importance of fiber in our diets. And yeah. actually like it will massively improve your overall chance of staying alive right. uh, to like a pretty staggering degree. Um, but also like if I'm at like Adair's saloon in Dallas, Texas at a honky tonk bar, like I'm eating a greasy cheeseburger with a whiskey and a beer. Yeah. Like, that's going to happen. Right. Um, and that both selves can exist simultaneously. Yeah. And th- right. And there's no like you in my mind, I always think there's going to be some SWAT team that's going <laughs> to come in and catch me yeah. from veering off. And, and so that's why like, I try to have like guidelines rather than rules, like things right. that I kind of believe to be true. My general like philosophy for my own diet, mm. which is, I mean, diet in the literal sense, not in like the, yeah. uh, my diet. Yeah. Is, in what you eat, your nutrition. Yeah, is basically, and I tend to think more about like nutrition than weight, um, uh-huh. but uh, which, you know, is I guess a luxurious position to be in. But my kind of rule is I either want the food that I eat to be something I'm really excited about or is really good for me. And if it's not one of those two things, it's a waste of my time. Uh, like eating unhealthy food that you don't enjoy that much. Mm-hmm. Like what are we, what are we doing this for? Yeah, right. Exactly. Just so like if I'm ever at like a restaurant and I can't decide what to get and nothing sounds good, I just pick the healthiest thing in the menu. And I go, well now at least if it sucks, right. I'm, I'm not like eating <laughs> yeah. trash and feeling bad about not it. Not feeling it. Yeah. Like you're eating garbage. <laughs> Go to go back to uh, beans. Go back to beans yeah. and fiber. Well, so fiber. So um, I was very fortunate that I have a friend of mine who used to head up the UCLA Institute of the Environment Sustainability, Peter Kariva, uh, who now runs the Aquarium of the Pacific down in Long Beach. It's a beautiful uh-huh. aquarium down there. They do oh, a yeah. lot of sustainability work and they do cool events and all this stuff. Um, and we were kind of trying to find different ways to like look at all this academic research and metadata studies that have so much great information, but usually the people who have that information are really, really bad at explaining it to people. Yeah. And so one of the things that we found in these studies, and he was sending me, and this is like metadata, so studies of multiple studies, so like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of, of, of like actual human hours of studies, Yeah. Um, is that uh, basically everyone is pretty much getting enough protein. We're all obsessed with protein and we're all pretty much fine. Right. The amount that we think we need is actually less than we really need. Mm -hmm. But we are a massively fiber deficient country. And that fiber is the thing that they said that if you eat uh, the right amount of fiber, which is usually about twice as much as most people are eating, something like that, Mm. um, is it decreases what they called, quote, all cause death by 30%. All cause death (laughs) by 30%. Which seems... Useful. That's a lot. And uh, and the problem <laughs> is, too, like a lot of the stuff that happens. With, and this is where it kind of gets into the book is like one of the goals, too, is like just getting yourself to cook yourself dinner matters mm-hmm. a ton. Because the less heavily processed food you're eating, the more control you have over stuff, the more you're kind of not having all these weird biohack food scientist things right. like that are 
that are screwing up your body's natural ability to know like humans have never eaten too much salt in the history of the world until like 50 years ago right because you, you your sense of salt is your body telling you how much salt you need yeah right if you eat a dorito it's like i have no idea what's happening right I know, but i'm gonna but i i need more of it well, have, you heard the, have you heard the term i'm going all over the place have you heard the term vanishing caloric density no that's like a food science term that they use for like doritos and it's the phenomenon that food scientists have figured out that it uh, you eat something and it tricks your brain into thinking it didn't ingest calories. Whoa. And so that's like what a Dorito does. That's what like Benji really? just won is like because we've biohacked Jeez. your body to not know what the hell's going on. So it just keeps eating. Yeah, and it just does, it's gone. It didn't even have anything. We'll have more. <laughs> that's amazing. Um and so Oh, they're so clever. It's I yeah. mean when you look at when you look at uh all of the big tobacco that got into the food business, right? They, yeah. they, they bought all of those. Like Kraft and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I don't, do they still own it? I don't even know anymore. I don't know, it but I, like I saw Morris some. was everything for Yeah, a while. and they like bought like all of these food companies and using the same science yeah. to mess with your head to get you addicted to keep you eating that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it all comes back to like, you know, if you look like evolutionarily why we have all the tastes we have, there's like the reason, or one of the reasons at least that I've, that I've read about of like why we crave sugar mm. is because evolutionarily that's how we identified vitamin C. Like an orange is sweet, right. it has vitamin C. Yeah. We're not like, you know, Just... like, how do we make a syrup out of this corn? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, you know, all these things are kind of tied into that stuff. And so, yeah. you know, for me, I, one of the things I like to do is try to help people just like build your pantry so that making dinner is more convenient than ordering out. Yeah. So if like you get home from the road and it's seven o'clock, you haven't been shopping in a long time and like you can either go on your phone and do the hour and 20 minute wait for like a sweaty Postmates that you're not that thrilled with. In a cardboard a box. Yeah, yeah, and you're just like, and one of the orders is wrong. Yep. Or like <laughs> you can, I mean, you know, you're, yeah. The healthier option is to crack open a can of tomatoes, make tomato sauce, and boil some spaghetti. Right. right. That's actually going to be better for you than like you 100%. know ordering whatever the hell yeah. a burrito bowl is. <laughs> I like uh, I like the pictures that you have in it of the pantry because it looks like my pantry. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, it's really pretty cool. And I was wondering, is it because we're both on the same coast? That we have some of the same stuff. Uh, I'll bet. And I think, you know, and I have my mom's side is all Italian or my grandmother was Italian. So I kind of grew up with that, like, you know, upstate New York meets Italian California kind of filtered through. So, yeah, right. like the basis of a lot of my cooking kind of all started with like olive oil and garlic. And right. we'll take it from there. And as I've lived in California and Los Angeles now, I mean, my whole life, but growing as a person and learning that there's uh, food east of the 405 when you grow up in Santa Monica um, <laughs> is you start to like discover all these other cuisines and other cultures and I start yeah. obsessing over their food so now my pantry has like all these incredible ingredients that kind of tend to yeah. spill into each other and it's how you find out things like that butter and soy sauce sauteed together is the greatest drunken pasta condiment in the world <laughs> oh really <laughs> oh yeah it's in the book butter you know? and butter and soy, soy sauce. sauce in general those two things together like if you saute like mushrooms in uh -huh. butter and soy sauce like it's just one of the great insane things. but uh yeah that's my for when i would uh it happens less and less these days now that i'm a father but yeah. every once in a while if i'm coming home from a bar like ubering home yeah and there isn't a good taco truck on the way <laughs> then the drunken late night pantry pasta you like mix basically butter and soy sauce toss pasta and it throws some spices in there and Ooh. eat it standing up out of the pot <laughs> and, and then you uh until your, your wife comes and in and staring at you no she's out of town when that happens oh she's <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, the fish, the canned oh, yeah. fish up here, the, uh, and a lot of people wouldn't even catch that this is Bianco's tomatoes. Bianco the the great yep. Chris Bianco. I have, that, I have that painting in my, in my oh, uh, dining so room. Great. That's his dad who painted it, right? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Which, by the way, you just reminded me of something. Uh, there's another painting that he's, that he has copies of that his father, this is Chris Bianco from Bianco's Pizzeria. I went to the opening of his, uh, for my radio show, I covered the opening of his uh, downtown the, pizza oh, place. Oh, great, yeah. And he took me aside and was like, I'm getting you. I'm getting you. My father, he also did that painting, and I'm going to get a copy. And brought the guy over. And he's like, get his information, and we're going to get them there. And just realizing it, looking at this can, he never sent it. Oh, well, that's... Uh... Now, what's the move there socially? Do you go and say, you said you were sending me a gift, and you didn't. He's... I, the good news is I think Chris is the kind of guy who yeah. has a sense of humor about stuff like that. He is like one of the nicest people I've ever met in the industry. He's in life. To the point that like I actually, I've met him, I'd met him many times. And every time I meet him, I would meet him again. I would have to be like, it's, I'm this guy from this and this and this. And because yeah. he treats everyone like they've been friends for 10 years. <laughs> and finally he was like, Noah, I, I know who you are. You don't have to keep. I was like, I don't know. You're just. It's, uh, yeah. No, it's legit. He he's really does. He's like, he's, yeah. He's, he's a so great. Truly wonderful person. Yeah, which is kind of weird that he screwed me out of a painting. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> what was the painting of? Do you even know? It was. Uh, bowl of fruit something like that no i forget even <laughs> i forget what it was meanwhile we haven't we talked a while ago about you trying to figure out your pizza situation have you have you have you figured it out yet uh no i haven't spent much time on it right. i really haven't and uh i'm telling just, you sheet pan that's going to be your gateway bread pizza doing yeah. like the new york style grandma pies that'll yeah. be that'll be your that's gateway. a philly that's a big philly thing oh is it yeah just like like tomato bread it's basically like focaccia yeah with tomato sauce thrown on it yeah but and throw some cheese on there so good pizza. so good yeah i just uh yeah i don't know why we haven't really you know what it is and this is another thing that was on my mind uh my daughter's vegan my wife is pescatarian okay. really vegetarian who reluctantly eats fish once in a while sure uh my other daughter's at school and i am a garbage can uh, so, so it's just be you making a whole pizza for yourself. Yeah. A lot of well, times. Well, I guess the pescatarian you can eat. She, she'll eat cheese. Cynthia, yeah. She'll eat cheese. Uh, but then your daughter's left out. Sure. And it's, I'm going through this really kind of, is that, is, yeah. how does Eliza eat? Uh, Eliza is, I mean, it has evolved since I met her. Uh huh. Um, but, uh, like before I met her, it was like eating a, a bag of turkey over the trash can, <laughs> racing out to do a set, right. and then eating something after. And then when we first started dating, it was a lot of like, you know, having a fun late night dinner after her shows. Uh -huh. And now it's like a healthy dinner. Before the show, she goes, I stay home, and then she comes back, and we go to bed at like 10.30. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, <laughs> got a baby. It's funny, Eliza, and she actually, you know, a lot of the things I think about in this book are kind of inspired sort of by the way she thinks about food, but also the way her fans think about food, who I, we did this live stream cooking show, and I got this direct right. feedback from all this, you know, fan base of a lot of like women in their 20s and 30s who suddenly had to start cooking for themselves right. and didn't know what to do and were very intimidated by stuff. And uh -huh. so like Eliza... 
I think she philosophically wants to be vegetarian. Right. But really wants to eat chicken a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like her body craves it. Like yeah. as a person who expends a lot of mental and physical energy. Yeah. Uh, um, she, yeah, it's like she, she wants that energy. Yeah. But, her body's uh, telling her to get, go get it. Yeah. But she, you know, like, yeah, she'll, she'll enjoy a steak and a nice sushi dinner, but we'll also eat mostly almost entirely vegetarian at home. Yeah. Lots of like rice bowls. And I do a lot of like that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, she's not as big of a pasta person as I am. So, so you're, so you're synced up. So like you can, when you're making something, you don't have to make three different dinners. No, I do make different things that I really want when she's not home. Then no, she won't care that much about, Uh huh. but, uh, yeah, we're not doing the three different dinners thing, but it's, uh, the one tough thing with Eliza is it could not possibly occur to her that if she's hung, not hungry now that she would ever be hungry again. <laughs> it's always a surprise every time. It's a surprise in an emergency. So if I'm going to the grocery store yeah. and I'm like, what do you think you'll want for dinner tonight? It's I, I don't even ask anymore. So I kind of just have to like, it's like playing oh, roulette funny. a little bit. My wife is the same way. Like I, I truly, one of my... One of the joys of life mm-hmm. is going to the supermarket. <laughs> I love going anywhere Especially in foreign countries. Oh my anywhere god! Anywhere to shop for food, I <laughs> love it. I, I'll do it. I don't even consider it like, oh, I do that chore. It's not a chore yeah. that doesn't get checked off in my box of doing shit around the house. Yeah, I love going. I love even seeing grocery it. store scenes and movies are always great. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> well, my wife is just like she does not she's not interested. Yeah. But then she has to eat again, and it comes up again. <laughs> right. And then, like, she'll be like, I don't know why I've been doing, like, a press all day, and I'm in a bad mood. It's like, because you didn't eat food. She's like, I ate an orange at 7 o'clock in the morning. I don't know why at 4.30 something could possibly Eliza does wrong. seem, I mean, she's such a machine. <laughs> she is. She really is. She seems like she can get by on, like, a, a handful of almonds. <laughs> she can if she has to. But, like, yeah. yeah, she can also, like, go blind. And so, like, if she... <laughs> And like, just all of a sudden, just start horking stuff down. So I do yeah. have to, uh, like, I sometimes have to like force her to like. She's like, I'm not hungry. It's like, yes, but you're about to be doing something for four hours. Like, eat this banana or eat yeah. this, for, you know, or something, and then you won't like have to eat, you know, a bowl of uh, of like ice cream the moment you walk upstairs. Whatever the nearest thing yeah. happens to be there. Like, yeah, so my that- friend, uh, my friend Ryan is a uh, a personal chef, and. He's really good. He like he's really good at a lot of things. Mm. But the most impressive thing when I would hang with him, like with the family he was working for or whatever, uh, or we'd be traveling, was his sense of when people are going to melt down. Like <laughs> he always was ahead of the game. Yeah. Of okay, we, we got to start talking about this because we've got to <laughs> get food in these people, or the kids are going to lose their shit, That's and and everyone's going to be cranky. A like, massive scale. Always skill. all through the day. Yeah. Making sure all the birds were fed. That was really. <laughs> I was like, "That's how you do it. You don't yeah. wait until everyone's falling over." And then say, what are we going to, where are we going to order from? <laughs> yeah. The, the tough one, cause I can figure out, like I can always make food in a pinch. The tough one yeah. is like going out to dinner and making plans Yeah, because that you, especially now it feels like it's even harder to make reservations than it ever was before. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. It got, yeah. it got weird. Everyone all of a sudden came back and they, I guess. And now they're just, yeah. It's like if, and if you look online, they have reservations like, well, that place can't be that good. <laughs> I always jump through the online thing and call. It's usually better. A lot of them, yeah. it's, it'll go that way. But a lot of times when I think of it, 
it, they're not open. It's like it's right. seven in the morning. I'm like working out and I'm going to forget later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, so like I'll just like, I'll be like, all right, I've wanted to go to Anajak for a while. I'm going to book this for two months from now on a Monday. I'll yeah. look at Eliza's tour schedule. Looks like she's in town. And then fingers crossed we don't yeah. cancel last minute because she doesn't want to go. Right. <laughs> That's really smart. It's a, it's a hit or miss. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So you're sleeping on a mattress and your back hurts and your shoulders get all tingly in the middle of the night and you're wondering why you're not sleeping great. Maybe it's because you have a horrible mattress. Maybe you flipped it a couple times, you spun it, and you've been on it for years. Uh, it's time to get a new mattress. I know it seems like a pain in the ass when you're going to get a new mattress, but not with Helix Sleep. Helix is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress is right for you? This is what you do. This is what I did. You take the Helix Sleep Quiz. Go online. You go to Helix Sleep. And you take this quiz and you put in all of your preferences. What you like. What your spouse likes. Maybe you sleep with someone else. Maybe you don't. I'm not judging. You put in the things that you like out of a mattress. And they tell you which mattress you should get. Then they ship it to your house. Sounds risky. Oh, no, you got this big thing delivered. What if you don't like it? Well, that's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. 100-night risk-free trial. Try out your new Helix mattress and so your body adjusts and you start to feel like you like it. If you don't, for whatever reason, it's not working out for you. Maybe you filled something out wrong in the, in the uh, sleep quiz. They'll take it back. No questions asked. Helix is offering up to $350 off all mattress orders, and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash papa, P-A-P-A. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. We sleep on a Helix mattress. We enjoy it. That's why it's the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. If you're not sleeping, this is your solution. Thank you to our good friends at Helix Sleep. So your mom, was your mom the cook? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. my parents were divorced since I was like two. Okay. But uh, and my both sides of my family cooked. My mom. Did you like, live with both of them? I did. Yeah, I did the full split custody thing. You did. Uh, yeah, which uh, as long as you, uh, I think, don't don't notice, don't or don't aren't aware when they break up. Don't know what. It's pretty smooth. <laughs> right. It's like never, by the time I became, you know, aware, uh, self-aware of... <laughs> at all, I just, you know, you go here and you go here. You're like, oh. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, my mom, uh, she like instilled the love of cooking. She was yeah. like, you know, my dad was always more of like a cook breakfast kind of guy, like, like most dads, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, but yeah, it was like, you know, like having dinner at the table was a big thing. Yeah. Like, no matter what, we always did it. She'd make real food from scratch. She'd make like filet of sole. She kind of had this, like, it was like that, you know, 
80s, 90s, California. Like, how do we make it healthier so it's like uh-huh. a lot of turkey? So like yeah, turkey meatballs are better for you than, right. than meatballs, which I don't know if, you know if that's true. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I, it was for a while. But I love turkey <laughs> meatballs now, and I have them in the book, and they're. And nice. the, the trick to a turkey meatball, by the way, is uh, is you replace the the missing fat with cheese. Just to put a lot of right. Parmesan cheese in it, which right. is not better for you. No, <laughs> but is delicious. <laughs> yeah, right. A lot exactly. of fresh herbs, a lot of, a lot of that stuff, and they yeah. yeah. And so that um, yeah, like uh, <laughs> like a turkey bolognese, like a turkey meat sauce, which is in the book too. And yeah. I've grown to like love it. I have this, so I've gotten to kind of perfect that stuff as best I could. Right. So it was kind of fun, like taking. You know, there's obviously a lot of other stuff in the book too, but like my mom's family recipes and kind of deciding on the definitive version of them <laughs> like that will now live on bookshelves hopefully for a long time like by That's the publisher great. who like made the cookbooks that I grew up on like right. like it's kind of oh, really? like they did like you know uh Julia Child and El- no Marcella Hazan and they do Nancy Silverton's books now and Whoa. it's like and it was like this kind of very cool Edna Lewis like people like that wow. and so to be like they put out not a ton of cookbooks every year and yeah. they kind of care about them like being around for a while wow. and so uh, the Hazan. Oh my God. God. She's like, sometimes I read a cookbook and I'm like, why are we still making these? <laughs> Didn't we? I feel like we nailed yeah, it. Right. Um, exactly. At least in terms of like, like white culture <laughs> cookbooks. Just, right. Yeah. Like we have like maybe two, <laughs> we had like, we had like three decades of like two Indian cookbook authors until finally now that's changing. <laughs> right. Um, but in terms of like Italian, Italian and like breakfast books, like Marion Cunningham wrote like the greatest cookbook of all time. Her breakfast book oh, yeah. is amazing. It came out in like, Probably 1912. I have no idea. <laughs> right. And it's incredible. And uh, But we still keep making them. People keep buying them. Um, yeah. And uh, it's kind of, I feel like it's like pornography is that way too. Like we probably have enough. <laughs> yeah, right. But <laughs> someone's new showing up and they want to they want yeah, to Yeah, and you want to you want to find your person that you kind of connect with and fall in love with for whatever There, for there is an interesting is. thing. I was talking about this with my wife. She has, uh, when she was a kid... Her mom would make this uh, really a Swedish tea cake, mm. which is like a, um, it's really a cinnamon roll. You know how you make cinnamon rolls? Yeah. And you don't cut it. You fold it. You make it into a oh, wreath. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then you kind of slice it and kind of like without going all the way through, it's bend like them a little bit over. Log. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And you just kind of like p- push them over on the side. So you're kind of exposing the cinnamon. So anyway, she has the recipe that her mom, the from the cookbook that her mom used, which oh, was like wow. a Betty Crocker or something yeah. like that. The most confusing, <laughs> that is one thing that we've done. Like it's so much easier to read oh and, and the layout and like, like they just skip whole measurements and then they just kind of like, just assume yeah. that you know what they're talking about. Like yeah. that you've all cooked your okay. whole life. Yeah. Like the first step, it's like, it's like skin the cow. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. And it's, it, that is, but it is kind of a cool thing yeah. to get old cookbooks just for that reason. Oh my God. I love them. They're the best. I love cookbooks that don't have pictures in them. Yeah. They just have like weird doodles. Yeah. That kind of stuff. I love. It's so um, great. They're amazing. Like one of my favorite cookbooks ever, it's from 1980. It's called Japanese Cooking, A Simple Art by this guy, Shizu Otsuji. And it was like the first, it was almost like the like the textbook of Japanese cooking for America. And he uh-huh. had a version of it in Japanese too. And uh, it's like where I got my base learning of all Japanese cooking was from that book. And I would just, before I was professional anyway in, in, in this business, yeah. I would just obsess over books like that and just make like 20 things out of the book. Really? Start to get this like kind of, 
a little bit of an understanding of it from a base level. Yeah. And I remember even in that book, he was talking about like, um, uh, this may sound barbaric to you, but in Japan, we eat a lot of raw fish. And it was 1980, so <laughs> oh, it hadn't wow. like taken off yet. It's yeah, like, that, that guy's going to have a rude awakening if he <laughs> sees what happens in the, in the early 90s. I remember that. I remember, I must have been like, like early 80s. Yeah. My father taking me to a sushi place. <laughs> And it was all you could eat sushi. Like, we had no idea. Like we we're just shoving. We couldn't believe <laughs> that we could eat all this. But it was like there was the one place, even in like in northeast, like right outside of New York. I have a a, a running bit with my mother-in-law, with Eliza's mom, who's like your classic like New York Jewish mother-in-law. Amazing woman, lovely. Yeah. Um, but I always wanted her to open an all-you-should-eat restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have the uh, the chili dog. No, you won't. <laughs> you're having the salad, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like you're not gonna. You're not choosing. <laughs> Take another bowl of soup. No, you're done. <laughs> so how did you? So where? So you your folks are cooking? Yeah. So my mom is like uh, Schenectady, New York. Um, like grandmother's like off the boat Italian, married an Irishman because all the Italians you knew were in the mafia. Um, <laughs> And then my dad's like Westchester Jew, and they ended up meeting in uh, Miami, of all places, oh. where my mom was waitressing at a uh, a ve- vegan or vegetarian restaurant called Here Comes the Sun in Miami. Wow! Because they were like hippies back then. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, my dad was a, is a is a but back then uh, a music producer, and he was like doing a lot of music producing, working with like the Bee Gees and cool stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now my dad's wow. career is crazy. And really? Crazy. Yeah. And then they he was a producer. Yeah. Yeah. He produced like Saturday Night fever soundtrack no. and what yeah like islands in the stream and what yeah no my dad's career he, my dad uh is uh, effective he's basically is credited with inventing the drum loop which holy is holy cow insane yeah that's insane wait a minute i think i've seen him did you see the bg's documentary yeah that's i was my just dad. gonna say in the documentary <laughs> yeah that's my dad uh, no, no yeah. way i guess there are arguments that other people may have also come up with that at some point but no right. one had done it like commercially wow but it's, uh, he he described to me once as he's like how multiple different species can evolve to have eyesight but you know they were all it was going to happen whether he did it first or right not, right but he'd happened to but do how it. <laughs> that's so cool because it's amazing one of the real memorable parts of that documentary is when they're all like living in miami and bringing their family over and they're yeah. showing all those shots it's yeah. so funny to think that's when your folks meet yeah and then actually there's a there's a there's some recipes in the book that are inspired from that time when my dad was working on uh, uh, 461 Ocean Boulevard, that old Eric Clapton record. Everyone used to stay at that house, and there was this woman there um, whose name uh, was Fanny, and she um, would kind of take care of the house, and she kind of introduced everyone to like soul food cooking in my family. Yeah. And, but they were hippie vegetarians back then, so it was like this vegetarian kind of New Year's tradition in our family. And of course, I've done Kevin Bloodsoe's versions, which are not vegetarian and are incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the one that we have in our house, it's like I, there's a, it's in the book. There's like a, a black eyed pea with like it's very Italian California with like balsamic vinegar and yeah. and you do sautéed greens and a cornbread and it's like a and 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 that woman Fanny is uh, is uh, is who when the when the Bee Gees heard her name had never heard that someone's name could be Fanny. And they thought that was very funny, and it, it's where this song "Fanny Be Tender" came from. <laughs> Holy cow, that's amazing! So yeah, man, oh man, did you meet the Bee Gees when you were a kid? Supposedly, but I don't. Remember. You don't remember? I remember you were my, too young. My mom said they used to give like really absurd like 
birthday gifts. Like, oh, it's uh, it's Noah's first birthday. Here's a six foot long baby bottle. <laughs> it's like, okay. Just, Thanks, Barry. Yeah, ha ha. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll hang on to this. Um, yeah, so a lot of that kind of stuff. But, right. uh, yeah, and so I just kind of grew up loving uh, cooking and was kind of really into it. Right. And then um, we talked about it, I think, a little bit last time, but basically was waiting tables and bartending, um, obsessing over various food things, but was a writer for the most part, writing right. for newspapers and magazines and things like that. And then there was this barbecue place in Compton that was just the best barbecue I'd ever had in my life. And uh, went down there, flipped out, inter- interviewing Kevin for LA Weekly. We ended up uh, becoming business partners. I started training on the pits in Compton to be the general manager so cool. of a new location. And I can hear the story. I, I know we mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, but it's I weird could, to like race I could hear that no, story. Yeah, right, exactly, um, because I could hear that story over and over again. It's and, such a uh, cool... Yeah, I mean, what else do you like... I mean, Kevin and I talk about this a lot, and we, we always try to find new ways to work together. But, like, we're born and raised 10 miles apart, but, like, worlds away. Yeah, and, yeah. And we're just, like, to be such close friends and basically family with somebody yeah. who we are couldn't be more different in so many ways. Like, I mean, his, <laughs> his cookbook, I don't think, has almost anything in it that's vegetarian unless it's a side to go with barbecue. <laughs> right. and, uh, yeah, even the vegetables are like with bacon fat. Oh, God. I mean, you have to, you cook a ham hock for two hours before you put collard greens in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> or an hour, not two hours. Yeah. But yeah, and I, so for me, it's, you know, but I also like, <laughs> I, I feel good when I eat a lot of vegetables and eat a lot of grains. And so yeah. anyway, so it's this kind of whole weird story that led me into this restaurant world, but also writing cookbooks at the same time. Yeah. And I've gotten to this, have this unbelievable kind of like food nerd fantasy camp lifestyle where I get to work with people like Frank Pinello and Best Pizza in Williamsburg to learn pizza from him to open Prime Pizza out here. I uh, worked with Jeremy Fox to write on vegetables, who's like this legend yeah. of, of you know, farmer's market cooking and, and just cooking in general in California. Um, and Jeremy Fox, I'm sorry, I just said his name, Kevin Bloodsoe and learning from him. And now I'm writing books with uh, Ari Colander, who has found Oyster here to write like the definitive American seafood cookbook. So I get to learn. Really? You're like, working with him on that? Yeah, we're writing that book wow. together. So I get to like write about and learn... I mean, I don't, I'm not like a seafood expert and now I get to learn yeah. everything about seafood from one of the great seafood chefs in America. So great. And, uh, yeah. Naisha Arrington and I are working on a book together. She's incredible. Jeez. You would love her. Jeez. Uh, you got to have her on the show. It's and Nancy Silverton's on the back cover. Yeah. Got the Nancy blurb. That's uh, cool. Which is uh, pretty incredible. Yeah. And it's just, uh, and so this was a kind of, you know, my one shot so far to really do like I, I had this unbelievable good fortune to uh, when Eliza was shooting her sketch show in New York, she was wrapping it up and uh, I flew out to meet her and my agent said, you should just meet with a bunch of New York editors because they don't have a name to the face and most right. of the editors are out there. So I met with a bunch of like the top cookbook editors in New York and one of them was Lexi Bloom, who is amazing. And she also like edits like Murakami translations for, for Kanaf. Oh, really? Like, she's just an incredible Jeez. editor and, a, and an amazing person. And we ended up chatting for like an hour and she said to me, uh, if you could write any cookbook, what would it be? And I said, well, no one had asked me that, but I had kind of had my idea in my head and I yeah. kind of pitched her on what it was. And she said, great, write the proposal and send it to me. Well, and I wrote the proposal, sent it to her. And, um, 
they were very excited about it right before the holidays. We're like, great, this sounds like it's going to go. They're like asking me for a little more of like my, like, you know, my, my uh, social media stats. Like they're kind of like, there's something happening. <laughs> now they're starting to get good. interested, yeah, right? Yeah, like, like they didn't just like, you know, dismiss yeah. it out of hand. And it sounded like it was maybe coming along. Yeah. And then uh, the holidays hit and then it was radio silence. And then it turned out um, that their editor-in-chief died over that holiday weekend, Whoa. That over those holidays. And so everything got put on pause. Um, and then we kind of started to pick back up. They're starting to get ready to hire somebody. We're feeling like maybe we'll figure this out. And then uh, the pandemic hit. <laughs> and Perfect. then uh, so Eliza and I started doing this live stream cooking show, this yeah. Don't Panic Pantry um, version of it. And we're kind of, it's going well. We're going. And I started to talk to them again. I go, look. I know your money is all tied up in, you know, basically a bunch of books sitting in warehouses. We, we want to do this book. Backload my deal. Pay me in a year. I'm just home. Let me write the book. Right. And then their director of contracts died. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then we kind of kept going and kept going. And the show was kind of going. We ended up like going on the Today Show and things like that. And then finally they called back and, uh, and they said... Um, we want to do the book, but why waste the branding? Can we name it after the the, the right. live stream show and yeah. will Eliza write the forward? And so, uh, and it kind of came out of that, but then the book ended up evolving because of just this like constant communication with people who were struggling with how to cook right. and trying to figure out what to do and figure out what they really wanted, what they were afraid of and all these things. And it all kind of came together to create this book Perfect. that's kind of this combination of all those things mixed with the food of my childhood this is yeah. like the food that i actually cook at home and the food that i love and it's just uh it's, so it's a pretty special thing to get it all kind of having to come together in this way at this time how uh how did you feel about the cooking show when it started started kind of catching uh it was i mean i, I kind of look at it as you know I think it kept me from going insane a little uh -huh. bit. It's like something to do every <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, every day you had to um, like, you were in production. Yeah, it's like it had a thing. Okay, we got to do this. And then you get up and you do it. And we had COVID at the very beginning of it. So like if you were watching the early days, you got to like see Eliza like lose her taste on camera. But like <laughs> okay. back then, no one, it was like you were kind of getting shamed for thinking you had COVID back then. So you didn't want to say it. <laughs> oh, really? Like, people, it was so, those yeah. early days were those so Those early weird. days were so bizarre. And it's like if you go to a hospital, you're, you're a jerk. And so we, we were just like home. Home, like yeah kind of or if you're enjoying yourself during yeah. the pandemic <laughs> um, yeah and so but that was that was a kind of a beautiful cool thing eventually I mean, we did 250 episodes wow. it eventually got it was supposed to be two weeks i think we all thought at the Jeez. beginning um, but 250. now 50 yeah yeah wow. I mean, eventually we stopped doing it every day I mean, we yeah. do it like once a week or whatever right but now uh and now it's a it's a youtube show so i now it's, there's actually editing which is exciting <laughs> oh so and, you're uh, still doing it you're still yeah making this them. is like a different version we just uh as of you know a few months ago um i just kind of wanted to find i really like teaching people how to cook and i like that format of like again like trying to market a rational middle ground is, is yeah. proving hard like <laughs> trying to write like seo for for uh youtube titles <laughs> Like, you know, this, this uh, spaghetti meatballs is so good, you'll achieve Buddhahood. It's a <laughs> life hack or whatever you were supposed to say. And it's, so it's, you know, we're building this channel up from scratch and it's, wow. uh, it's a fun thing. And it's, yeah, that's you can cool. New episodes. And where you, do you have like a studio or you do? I like, just have a friend of mine who's uh, a filmmaker who's, uh, he was excited about it. And we just basically, 
we batch shoot it. So like every three months, we hunker down for one week at my house. Nice. We cook like you know fifteen things over three days or <laughs> whatever it ends up being or. Or yeah, fifteen over five days. That makes sense. Yeah, and we just shoot a bunch of stuff and make it, and it's super fun. And Lewis, and he's an old friend of mine, and he's really great at his job. Nice. And uh, when Eliza's in town, she pops in, and it almost kind of feels like a like a workplace comedy. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like we're just kind of cooking and going, and she pops in and tries it, and the other people are around sometimes. <laughs> and I'm just kind of trying to, you know, again, like encourage people to. My goal is like for people to learn how to make food they're willing to eat. Right. And that's right. kind of it. And then yeah. you can kind of. Trojan horse in my sort of beliefs about, you know, sustainability and nutrition and all this stuff too. But right. at the end of the day, like kind of just getting that certain first base level going off of it. And right. I think there's hopefully recipes in here too that uh, people who aren't like, you know, this isn't a book that you have to be a novice to be able to appreciate. Like, right, right. I also think, you know, I've got pretty good tomato sauce in there. Yeah. I've got some good <laughs> pastas and really good soups and stuff that's really great, but it's not fussy. It's not... Uh, you know, my goal with books like this and in general with cookbooks is like, I think this era of like the restaurant chef, like big deal, famous, yeah. like high end celebrity. Books. Yeah. Well, like celebrities are great, but like it needs to be cookable at home. Like I right. think the, some of those like coffee table books don't really, people don't want that as much. And so if I can find a way to make the food 90% as good for half as much work, yeah, like that that's, is yeah. useful. That's how we all actually So many times out. when you open up one of those and it looks gorgeous and you know the name and you know the place and you're like, oh, this is going to be great. And you're yeah. like, tonight, and tonight I'm doing it. And then it and says, you, and the first chicken for three days. Yes, <laughs> exactly. The first thing knocks you out, either an ingredient or a process, yeah. is like, well, I'm out. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Because like. The truth is, most of the time, like, yes, it's nice to have your weekend projects where you can get up yeah, when you have and a make a Sunday thing. supper for everybody comes over. Sure. Uh, but for the most part, like, you're jumping between calls and you're trying to make yourself a salad you're going to eat standing up out of the bowl. <laughs> right. And if you know how to make a good salad dressing versus, like, you yeah. know, I love Paul Newman, but yeah, you know, I don't need his help to eat salad dressing. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Just give me some good olive oil for crying out loud. Yeah. And a lemon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, one of my secret little things, not secret, I don't know why I called it a secret. It's literally in the book, but it's my kind of not salad dressing. What I actually do all the time, it's one of my favorite little, like, quick to squeeze it over a salad is olive oil, lemon juice, and a splash of tamari. This Slow that, down. What is it? Olive oil. Olive oil. Lemon juice. Lemon juice. And a splash of tamari. Oh. Just that little, like, kind of umami, gluten-free, little, like, little yeah. roasty. It's just, like, you don't even notice it. It's like when you put, like, uh, anchovies and, like, a broccoli pasta. People go, like, why does this taste so good? And you go, don't worry about it. Oh, God, that one, that's a, that's a real sore spot. Oh. I would put anchovies <laughs> in everything. And every great Italian cookbook. On every, yeah. just anchovies are showing up everywhere. They're sustainable, really good for you. Uh, low mercury, high omega threes, fish my, oils, and my and they enrage the people I live with. <laughs> so, Can they tell when you do it? Well, that's the ethical. That's the ethical question. It's it's. Do you just put it in and not tell them? It depends on who it is, I guess. If it, yeah, like yeah. Like, my, Eliza but, but loves Caesar hear, dressing. Once they hear this is the thing, they could say it's delicious. Take the vegan aside. Sure. They could say it's delicious, and if they hear there's an it's an anchovy in there, they're going to turn on the dish. Right. Yeah, it's... it's uh, <laughs> oh, but I, I would put them in everything. Yeah, it's like the placebo, but the other way around. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, Eliza loves Caesar salad dressing. Yeah. But she doesn't want it to have anchovy in it. And I'm like, but you like it. And it has it. 
So like if you, but so as long as they don't put the filet on the salad, also, it's right, fine. right. Oh, but man, <laughs> but it's the best. The best is when you get those really fresh filets thrown oh, like on the top. White anchovies. At, yes. Oh God. Oh. We, uh, <laughs> we're working on a recipe with Ari for <laughs> his Caesar salad, and uh, he made it first, and it was just uh, there's so many anchovies in the dressing, and then there's just like a blanket of anchovies <laughs> on top. Yeah. And we're sitting with his wife, and, and she's like, "Babe, you can't." You can't do this. It looks like you've lost your mind. I'm like, it does look unhinged. And he's like, but this is the best way to do it. Yeah. And I realized, like, what if we call it a 40 anchovy Caesar? Now it's Ooh, not a bug. It's a feature. Yeah. Now you're marketing it as such. And now, <laughs> like, you can, that's like little, things like that always crack me up. Like Evan Funky, uh, the great chef of Felix and um, yeah. restaurants like that. Yeah. I remember I went to one of his early restaurants and I remember he had a dish and it was uh, some kind of a pasta with a hen ragu. And I was like, that sounds so much better than chicken meat sauce. <laughs> like hen ragu sounds classy. Like the little tweaks yeah. of phrase that can make yeah. a dish sound better. Yeah. But going through the filter, everything goes through the vegetarian filter in my mind because oh, of God. everyone I live with. Yeah. And uh, like that it's hen, that there's a hen involved right. with a bow and just a loving <laughs> grandmother hen. That The other one that really bothers my wife whenever, because they'll come over in the restaurant and give you the specials and we'll just let it ride. We don't say like, oh, she doesn't. And uh, whenever they get to pulled pork, the pulling the pork off of the bone, she's like, or Eliza gets her a suckling pig. Like they were having breakfast. (laughs) You pulled them away. I was like, I don't think they have to kill them right then. Yeah, right off Um, the teat. But yeah, the hen thing, not to get too into weird territories, but I have a, um, sometimes I think there's like certain things in our food ways that are like hiding in plain sight. Uh-huh. And one of the ones I realized recently is you think about it and all the chickens we eat are female. Right. And all the eggs we eat are from females. And this isn't like a, like an alt, right? Like men are like, is it like what's happening thing. But I was kind of like, wait, so what are, how are they actually doing this? Like, is it a genetic modification? Mm-hmm. And I think that there are some things they're doing that are going in that direction uh-huh. to, to like, pre-design their birth sex sure but i my be. understanding is that a large large percentage of it is just the chick comes out they check it and then it either into the wood chipper and probably oh. turns into pig food or it goes on to the other way and so this idea that like <laughs> the sound effect a, made it so much worse <laughs> the idea that you could like <laughs> that that eating eggs is vegetarian is kind of hard to is hard to rationalize, <laughs> right? Because you're basically you yeah. have to kill a bunch of baby male chicks to yeah. get, uh, I guess, or males chicks. Once you go deep into it, you're gonna yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I it's all gonna be revealed. I just did this piece for Eater that came out last week that I was a year and a half passion project of me obsessing over uh, boxed chicken broth that you buy at the grocery store uh-huh. because. Uh, I was writing up actually for this cookbook for the uh, the head note for the chicken stock recipe. I was like, making it from scratch is better than buying it in the box. Uh-huh. I know this to be true because it tastes better. My mom always did it that way. It is true because uh, we make it this way and they make it probably some other way. And I was like, well, how do they make it? Uh-huh. I looked it up and I couldn't find anything. Uh-huh. And then I looked at the side of the box and on almost every single box of chicken broth, the first ingredient says chicken broth. I was like, well, that doesn't seem like it helps anybody at all. <laughs> yeah. And so I just, I emailed uh, uh, the this amazing editor, Leslie Souter, who just like their special products editor at Eater, who's an old friend. Uh-huh. And I was like, can I chase this down and see if it goes anywhere and say I'm writing for you? And she goes, yeah. And if it doesn't turn anything, we'll kill the story and you waste much of your time. <laughs> right. And I said, perfect. Sounds like right up my alley. <laughs> yeah. And it led me down this year and a half 
like Odyssey reaching out to first the companies you've heard of and then eventually discovering that there's these like uh, third-party flavor and fragrance companies that you've never heard of that are Whoa. like headquartered in Germany, all these places, these multi-billion dollar companies that are basically making the concentrates that get shipped to all these companies. And right. so they're buying the same concentrate and then they add their own ratio of carrot juice ex- extract and salt and sugar right. to have it taste like Kitchen Basics or, or Campbell's or whatever it is. And this idea of like, brand loyalty is like so absurd <laughs> right and then but then reading about these companies their websites are fascinating because they are um they're not marketing to the consumer the person right they're marketing to other corporations that are making food products and so they have lines like uh like uh, simrise is like this the largest manufacturer of broth concentrates that come to the u.s uh-huh. um and they have a, they said on their website uh, the average person interacts with our products 30 to 40 times a day Whoa. <laughs> and they use phrases like turnkey broth solutions, kitchen like ingredients, and my favorite is a fully sustainable chicken stream. <laughs> what is that? I think it means that, like, we're not wasting everything. Like, we have this, so it's like this. But it gives me this image of, like, this Willy Wonka chocolate oh. river. But it's just, like, chicken just parts chicken floating parts off into various parts, which is probably how the system works because, you know, oh. we, you know, big business does not like to waste things. Oh, God. Why would they, if they can find a way to turn into something else? Yeah. And the things that no, we can't course. sell turn into dog food and whatever else. Yeah, of course. Um, and so it's this kind of. And so, like, but my problem with it is not the reality of it. Because the truth is, if you were selling real chicken stock made from scratch, it would be very expensive. It wouldn't be shelf-stable. I get the need for it. Granted, I think it's not very good. I'd rather use water than fox chicken yeah. stock. Um, but, but the opacity of, like, the corporate hokum is what drives me up the wall. This, like, we make yeah. it just like your grandmother did. And I go, right. do you use a concentrate? We refer you to our earlier statement. And I'm like, <laughs> right. oh, it's proprietary. It's like... Is it, or yeah. are you just trying to not tell us what the hell's going on? Yeah. And so it turned. Into, I mean, it's, it's, really think about that. I mean, you're you're a reporter, you're a writer, you're <laughs> investigating, like, and you, and it took you that long to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. So just the average mom just walking through, it's just trying her best to figure yeah, out to these labels, out which. which picture of a bowl of chicken soup looks like they make God. they have the best concentrate from from a holzmind in germany well that got, that kind of goes back to the thing of uh that's just been on my mind of and it's not a new concept by any means and it kind of harkens to your book it's you, you just want to eat things that aren't shitty for you <laughs> yeah just eat real things yeah just eat like you hold up a carrot you don't have to spend a year and a half figuring out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. maybe now we do. Maybe yeah. we have to find out genetically the like where they come list from. On a carrot. But yeah, right? <laughs> like I mean, there's no there's <laughs> there's no conglomerate in Germany. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, depending on where you shop, a McDonald's cheeseburger is cheaper than an apple. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. It seems like it shouldn't be that way. <laughs> I know. And look, there is a part of it that's you know, you think I I always think of the billions of people that are looking for lunch every day and how are you going to feed yeah eight billion people lunch every day and they jam sugar into things they process and a lot of it came out of necessity right have these food deserts it's the reason that like you know the most common flour we eat all the time this gets into the bread stuff is stripped of everything that could possibly a give you nutrition but more importantly go bad on a shelf yeah and that's why we 
stripped everything away from it and it can sit on a shelf in, you know, in, yeah. uh, in you know, Tuscaloosa for six <laughs> months and it won't go bad. Yeah. And that's kind of where that stuff comes from. But yeah, I mean, one of the things that was fascinating about this too was uh, when I was researching all this stuff was I talked to Michael Moss, who's a fascinating guy. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner. He got a Pulitzer for f- investigating the E. coli outbreak from a while ago uh-huh. um, with Cargill. And uh, he's written a bunch of amazing books, like uh, Hooked and things like that. And uh, he does like kind of really serious investigative uh, research. And he kind of ended up going down the food path, but he's just kind of a brilliant guy. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to him for this piece, and he was telling me that like the biggest ruse in the whole thing is the idea that the USDA and the FDA are here for our protection. That Uh essentially the food labeling that they're doing was a negotiation between these food companies who wanted to give the impression that they were being looked out for with the government to negotiate what they were going to have on their labels. (sighs) And so when he was trying to find out where the tainted beef was coming from, which like Cargill plant, the government told him it was proprietary and they couldn't tell him, which means that their job is really also part of their job is to protect the money of the giant businesses in yeah. America and it's God. that kind of stuff. And so, you know, uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, cook beans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Just get some beans, get some, get, get some spinach leaves, <laughs> get something yeah. that, that looks like a fish. And you know, you try your best. Like I'm a big believer in finding your local farmer's markets. And, but like, I'm lucky enough to live in California where yeah, like we much have, easier, we have amazing things here. And so yeah. I wanted this book to, You'd be able to like go to a Kroger in Madison, Wisconsin, be able to buy stuff and cook it, things right. in this book. And at the end of the day, if you're doing that, you're getting most of the way there. It's all like the heavily processed stuff where it's yeah. just like, like, you know, the one that kills me is uh, the term evaporated cane juice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how do you make sugar? You evaporate cane juice. Just call it sugar, but the fact that we're able to like go, no, 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 it's a, no, it's like a, it's yeah. a kind it of sounds bar. nice. It it's sounds like kind, candy canes. The bar is kind, <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the cane juice is evaporated. Yeah, it's almost like it's not there. Yeah, don't read the. But it's the, the first on. ingredient <laughs> yeah. in the thing. What in your mind? Uh, what, what what is what is the what is the thing you use the most in your pantry? It, let's go. Uh, let's go. It's probably olive oil. Yeah. I just like that's yeah that's my base start for so much for of my everything cooking. soups yeah. and so, and then salad dressings soups all this I go through it a terrifying amount of olive oil yeah um, favorite hot sauce it depends on the application uh huh um, like I'm a like a Cholula with my with my like eggs bre- like eggs kind of guy but also. I think Crystal's is just a great hot mm-hmm. sauce. That's like that classic kind of tangy, vinegary Southern hot yeah. sauce. That on like some some like fried chicken is a or like even just like some like like some seafood with uh-huh. like crystals and lemon juice. Perfect. That stuff like yeah. it's great. Yeah. Uh you like anchovies, do you like sardines? I do. I like good versions of everything for yeah. the most part. But yeah, great sardines are amazing. I mean amazing. A, a fresh grilled sardine is yeah. incredible. Um but like Pantry wise, like canned clams mm-hmm. can have a really great purpose. I, well, I intentionally try to figure out a way to make, because I'm like a big believer in like, I make a really good vongole. You make it from scratch. You have really good fresh clams. Yeah. The clam juice is extracted. It tastes of the ocean. And it's amazing. Right. But I was like, how do you make a great canned clam pasta? And I found one that I'm really proud of. And it's yeah. in the book. Nice. It's got, again, there's some soy sauce and butter in there. Cause you, <laughs> yeah. you gotta just, you gotta live up, a little, you gotta crank up the flavor when you're using canned clams, but like canned clams are great for like clam chowders and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, they're good to add when, when you have some fresh clams and then yeah. you just want to bulk it up. Yeah. It's good. Well, it's why, it's, I think I realized why 
like you know when you go to an Italian restaurant and you get like spaghetti and clams and it has all the clam shells in it and it yeah. looks really cool yeah. but it's kind of a pain in the ass right like I'm like you almost finished the meal and then you left part of the, the part of the like the yeah. waste and I think the reason they do it or did it initially was to prove that it was real clams right exactly I know exactly. so that's my theory on it yeah and then there's throw a couple extras on yeah exactly <laughs> oh they give you the one real clam and that's the rest of it's on there uh, coffee yes you're into it? <laughs> I'm not a like into it. I like it and I drink it. I'm not that picky about it. Right. Um, like I'm. What's your home process? Uh, I was like a French press guy, uh-huh. but then like if anybody else comes over, it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if it's not <laughs> right, anybody beside you. Yeah. Yeah. So now we we have like one of those like. You know, old school coffee pots. So you fill it up, you no. do it. So like when we actually, I, I bought it because we were shooting the cookbook. And I had like three people uh-huh. in our house plus my wife and whoever else was around. And so I was like, I need to be able to make 12 cups of coffee or coffee every day. Like 12 like right. measuring cups, not yeah. literal cups. Yeah. But yeah. And so now we just do that. That's great. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. Um, what about you? I'm, I'm doing a pour over. I got a nice little yeah. kettle and yeah. uh heats up really hot and really fast does anyone i'm else? the only one yeah, drinking I was gonna it say. yeah because it's just me <laughs> that's a that's it's a, just me no one a else solo passion and project. even when my daughters are into having their coffee moments they don't have the patience for it so yeah. it's just like my own little thing yeah but it's so much better you know what uh it's not so to, good not to to uh go against your your vegan daughter but uh i bought my wife the breville milk foamer uh-huh that thing it's like the Cadillac of milk foamers. Oh, really? You can like set the temperature and it like you've got two different like settings on it and Ooh. it makes this just beautiful, Foamy. luxurious foam. Because I'm not like making espressos and stuff, but I'll sometimes yeah. we'll we'll do the we'll do the fancy the fancy milk and yeah, just it's do a nice. little dollop. A little dollop, yeah, yeah it's, it's good. It's it's great. Uh do you use any nut milks for that? Will you use an oat milk? <sighs> I have in the past. I tend to, I usually just drink black coffee unless I want yeah, to have it like a luxurious thing like that. Yeah. And truthfully, like if I have, it's uh, I, yeah, I tend to just drink black coffee. Like I'll do a workout, black coffee like that. I'm like, yeah, a, I like that. I'm too. generally like more utilitarian when it comes to breakfast. I have a recipe in the book for, uh, I call it health sludge. <laughs> and yeah. I've got part of my reasoning for it is I wanted to undersell it. Cause when you try it, it's like, Oh, you know, for health sludge, it's not that bad, <laughs> but it's basically a smoothie that contains, Everything nutritious I could possibly jam in there. The liquid is water. Uh-huh. Uh, lately, it's like it's just basically it's like some kind of greens with like flax seeds, chia seeds, oats, uh, turmeric, ginger, um, all that kind of stuff. Like frozen cranberries because those are like super antioxidant, but yeah. not that high in sugar. And then you just chug it down, and that's your in what you're blending. Uh, like, yeah, like a, a blender like, I use like or a, like a bullet. Uh, yeah, like one of those neutral bullets. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just blitz it and then chug it down, and you've that's got. Good. Uh, and it's just like it's it's not satisfying but it does <laughs> i find that like when i drink that every yeah. day i actually feel better you do yeah you, there's no sugar in it no i put a little so you're bit not of, crashing I, from it no i put a little bit of yogurt and again the liquid's water right a little right. bit of yogurt which i guess uh this ayurvedic guy who uh um helped consult on one of the recipes in the book um he swears that that helps the turmeric to do its thing uh-huh. i don't know if turmeric's real 
I know it's real, but I don't know if it I just saw. Anything. Yeah, that someone just came out against turmeric. Oh yeah. Yeah, last week there was some story about like, no, wait, slow your roll on turmeric. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You know. But yeah, they say I, the black pepper. I'm sure and it's good. But yeah. like you know, but anyway, also the fiber is a big thing. The flax seeds, the chia seeds, and you just get a bunch of greens in there and you hork it down, and then I don't have to think about it too much. But right. Sometimes I'll I'll make it, and there's some really fun breakfast in there and trying to get like sugar out of the american breakfast is like one of my goals i just think that yeah it, this it, idea it like ruins your day start your day with like yeah cinnamon apple <laughs> oatmeal I know. and it's like <laughs> i know no it ruins your day you're, yeah. you're what are we doing starving here? in an hour after yeah. after you crash and, and you're in a coma <laughs> yeah you're uh you're you're starving and chasing it the rest of the day yeah and so like i did a there's like a an oat buckwheat pancake in there nice. it's a like gluten-free like and it's just you put it all in a blender and blend it and pour it in that's a fun one that's good um, yeah just trying to you know like i think like you can eat oatmeal and have it taste good without having to like put a bunch of sugar in it yeah no i'm 100 percent with you the uh the don't panic pantry cookbook this is very cool and i like that eliza did the uh did the forward the negotiations were intense with her agent but we, i know we got it well done. she's got she's a she's a star <laughs> you, you know you're gonna get, i don't care if you live with her that's it <laughs> she's still <laughs> gotta get her beak wet on the she got she got some back end out of it probably. now i want to apologize and not apologize because i was on the road until literally two minutes ago okay um so normally i would have baked you bread um, Wait, so why are you not a So I'm going to owe you bread. Um, so <laughs> because I got you bread. Whenever I'm in trouble, I go oh, to man. we get bread from Lodge Bread. Do you know oh, these beautiful. guys? Yeah, they're great. They're the best. Amazing. And um, I got you uh, two. Oh, wow. Uh, this is olive and this is their country loaf. Amazing. Will you eat them? I will eat. Uh, yes, one of them, but probably not both. OK, you can freeze them. That's true. Yeah, I'll do that. You can freeze I'll it. I'll do that. You can freeze bread. It's freezing. That's a big thing in the book, too. Freezing. Why do people wait until things are about to go bad before they freeze them? <laughs> right. Freeze it when it's good. Yeah. And then, like, make a big batch of something. Freeze a bunch of it. And yeah. then you can go shopping. And you're free. It's my most, like, dad thing uh, about me now is I have, like, a reach-in freezer in the garage. Ooh, nice. But I do it. It's just filled with, like, it's chicken stock and minestrone soup. And, like, you make the a best. big batch. Siphon it off, and then one day you just go. I'm hungry. Oh wait, I've got I've got an amazing heirloom tomato sauce in the freezer. Oh, you're traveling, and will, will my, your will your my mom will be here. Uh, all right, we'll have uh, a nanny helping take care right, of my daughter. So we'll and I'm gonna slice it and freeze it too. Okay. That's the other trick. All right, live your life. I I'm don't gonna, have to tell you how to eat it. I'm gonna make a sourdough this is my bread gift bowl for, you. for dinner tonight. I will make you bread at some point in the future. Great. I'll have to, I'll, I'll watch the lineup card and see when you're going to be there. All right. Yeah, right. Exactly. I'll be sneaking into the comedy store. I, a lot of times I bake so much. I usually I just bring bread and oh, that's just great. hand it out to like the. I saw you did, what was it? Was it like a garlic cheddar? What was the one you did recently? Uh, jalapeno cheddar. Ah, yeah. Yeah. That sounds great. Man, it's, that's one of those weird recipes where you literally can't add enough cheddar or jalapeno yeah it just all gets absorbed in the bread some and you're like, things are like that like yeah. potatoes just eat salt forever yeah for yeah some reason. right exactly <laughs> it just yeah the same thing broccoli your broccoli eats, eats olive oil yeah. but then it eventually it releases it back out and then you feel like yeah you when it's on the plate wrong and yeah. yeah and everyone's <laughs> upset with you <laughs> uh, well, well thank, thank you so much this was really great i was really looking forward to this such a pleasure Me and too. uh I'll, i'm I'm going to do the uh, the intro as well when you're not here and, and 
sell the shit I'd like out to be this. here for it, actually. You do it <laughs> no, now. you got to go. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's like, uh, you, you don't want to see it. It's ugly. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you so much. We got it, Aaron. There you have it, kids. The Don't Panic Pantry Cookbook. Go and get it. It's one that you should definitely have, especially if you're not looking for just these cookbooks where you want to go and make something big and complicated. This is going to be like one of those things that you learn from and it becomes part of your everyday shopping and your everyday creations. Thank you so much to Noah for being here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 